You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. I just flew in from Las Vegas, and boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> I mean, that, that joke always gets old, right? <laughs> it's Monday night. It is 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 per- uh, 10% Eastern, 10 p.m. Eastern, and it must be Mission Log Live. I'm kind of here, Norman Lau. <laughs> and I'm kind of here, Charlene Schmidt. If you could not tell, we're in the uh, post-convention it's not haze. a hangover, not yeah, the haze of yeah. c- crashing down from several days of overstimulation. That's right. definitely us. <laughs> yeah. We would like to welcome everybody back from our short break after wrapping the live coverage of Strange New World Season 1 that uh, happened July 18th and celebrating 47, that's right, 47 straight weeks of brand new episodes. And we get to do Lower Decks tonight. I'm so excited! So I, I want to say hi to everyone in the jump in the crowd here. And I, I just want to say thank you for letting us know if there is an audio problem. Earl, if you want to take a look at that computer, if you want to take a look at that, because it's not that I don't want anyone to hear us. Kind of. I don't want anyone to hear us right now because we're not <laughs> making a whole lot of sense. But we're going to as soon as the audio comes back. Thank you, Sam. Thank you for letting us know. That Appreciate means that it. our quality, our quality itself has just risen at least 2%. And that's right. You're right, Char. 47 straight weeks of new content, but we're back in business because business is good, right? We have a whole new good. schedule of Star Trek episodes with a return of what we're going to be talking about tonight with Lower Deck Season 3, the premiere episode, Grounded. And yes. As much as I love hearing myself blather on, and as much as I love hearing Char articulate and you know bring up basically class to join up, no, <laughs> not me. No, 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 no. That's not my job. Mm-mm. We want to let you know how you can get in touch with us. Make sure that you click on the Zoom meeting link that's in our show notes. You can see that in the show notes on your feed, or you can use the one tap from your smartphone or call us at six six nine nine zero zero six eight three three, and then you can put that meeting code. You see on the screen, Earl is waiting to let you in. He is on standby and making sure that whatever the computer is doing to sabotage the show, he's wrestling with that. And uh, hopefully Thank the you, audio Earl. sounds good. Dave Taylor says, sounds fine. How do I sound now, Dave? Do I sound better or better? I think I sound pretty good. And you know what this is? Like, Char, we were talking about this earlier, right before we got on. We may sound a little different just because we are in that post Las Vegas 56 creation con haze we've been talking a lot we've been celebrating a lot lot to celebrate there in star trek land yeah yeah you and i got to hang out quite a bit had a really good time but yeah if we do sound a little hoarse it's because we have been talking a lot and we were talking in noisy bars meaning you have to speak up quite a bit and yeah that comes through sorry Mm -hmm. right that too Let's jump into the chat here, and thank you, everyone, for being patient with us, but say hi to Spencer. Hello, Carlos. Tim? Tim, glad to have you here. Jane, uh, let's see. Someone says Cooley's live, but I haven't seen Cooley actually chime in, so someone's Ooh. shilling for Cooley right now. Dave Taylor, uh, great to have you here. Jose Carlos Gomez Palacios. I think nice. I said that right, and if I didn't, it sounded good enough. Alan, thank you for being here. Hello, Paul Harvath. Haven't seen you in at least... Like, 10 hours. Right. Hi, Paul. <laughs> uh, Dennis, uh, thank you, everyone here. Um, and also, thank you for letting us know that there's John Cooley. John Cooley, I owe an apology to. I walked by him. 
uh, at the convention, said hi. I said, I will come right back as soon as I'm not so busy. And I didn't get a chance to. So I owe you, John, um, an apology so that we can next time catch up and uh, you know see what is happening. And then I can pick your brain, John Cooley, about all the cool things that are happening detail-wise across all these different iterations of Star Trek. Um, so thanks, everyone, for being here. Uh, there's a lot to catch up on. There's a lot to do, Shar. We have a lot of. Yes, we uh, do. There's a lot of excitement going on surrounding this episode. I'm going to let everyone here let everyone know what's going on in Mission Log, and then you, um, my sis, there you're going to ju- jump right into the recap, which is going to be amazing. And then we're going to get into our callers because I know a lot of people are going to call in because everyone's been waiting for Lower Decks to come back, uh, including. Oh yes, we have. Especially yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. All right. So this week on Mission Log, just to let you know that um, you know we're doing other things too, aside from just jet setting and palm pressing and uh, walking through completely oversaturated smoky air in Vegas. This is what's going on in the real world of Mission Log. So this week, our voyage continues. Uh, coverage continues with this Thursday's drop of Persistence of Vision. Ooh, good one. The one, the one where Janeway's hollow novel turns into a real nightmare. And let's see, to cross Star Trek over with Star Wars, many bothans may have died to bring you this information. Right. Did they just not have a creative name for the alien of the week that week? That week in particular, and I'm not sure in any future weeks because we, we haven't gotten there yet. But yes, no bothans as far as I know, or maybe only one. We're not really sure. One. So check, maybe. Uh, at least one. At least one. So check that out on Thursday. And uh, just to let you know. That Mission Log, The Orville, hosted by Captain Mike Richards and Jessica Linverdi, and Mission Log Prodigy, hosted by myself and Ashley Victoria Robinson. These are shows right now that uh, they're a little bit on hiatus because, as you know, those respective series have uh, they've, they've ended their particular storyline run for now until either The Orville gets picked up for season four and then when Prodigy returns later on after Lower Decks later this year. And also Mission Log Engage, we are coming up with new content that we're going to be releasing soon. So make sure that you stay engaged with us here. And here's how you can find all of that content. You can go to youtube.com slash Roddenberry Entertainment to find... Oh, oh, correct. Oh, that's right. Thank you, John Champion, for being here. And Yep. I'm so sorry. I just failed completely in front no, of the public. No, you didn't. I didn't want to interrupt you. I, I saw the comment, though. Yeah, it's going to be a supplemental this week instead of Persistence of Vision. This is why we have Shar here, because I'm not doing my job, obviously, correctly. No, you are. You are. John's doing his job. He's like, no, guys, no. Of course, correction. Know John's like coming in from like a location unknown somewhere with either Smirsh or Spectre. This is how we know he has like perfect satellite communication to tell me that wow. I told you this. To, I told you to say this specifically, Norm, that we're going to have that particular pickup for this uh, for this Thursday. So anyway, I'm going to step aside and uh-huh. I'm going to leave like the real podcasts to the adults while I sit back and, you know, do something less constructive than, you know, being a professional podcaster. So take it away, Shar. <laughs> oh, if I'm the adult in the room, we're in a lot of trouble. I also want to say hi to Anne-Marie Siegel and to Captain Mike, who have joined us in the chat. So hello, guys. It was nice to see you at the convention. All right. So here we go with season three, episode one of Lower Decks, and it is titled Grounded. 
Last season on Star Trek Lower Decks, Captain Freeman was accused of orchestrating a devastating attack on the Packled capital, and we left off with her being escorted away in cuffs. Cut to now. The USS Dos is impounded in a space dock, and her crew is grounded on Earth as Starfleet conducts its investigation. Freeman must stand trial. Mariner isn't handling it well. Her father implores her to have faith and trust in the system. The truth will come out. Instead... Mariner takes out her frustration on her dad's potted plants. She can't sit around and do nothing, but do what? Enjoy the scenery on this whack planet? Her first stop is the Boimler family vineyard. Uh, Bradward is all too happy to go along with whatever Mariner has got in mind, as the fine art of drying grapes for a living isn't for him. And for once, Boimler's excruciatingly detailed logs might hold the key to proving Captain Freeman's innocence. Take that, conservative military court. He and, Mil- he and Mariner will need a way to retrieve them from his bunk on the Cerritos. And to do that, they're going to need the help of an engineer. Cut to Rutherford and Tendi enjoying a gumbo at Cisco's Creole Cafe in New Orleans. They're contemplating which Earth attractions they should visit next and decide on historical Bozeman, the site where Zephyr Cochran launched humans' first warp flight. On the restaurant's television, FNN announces the beginning of opening statements for Freeman's trial. Tendi wonders how Mariner is taking the news when, guess who makes her completely unplanned, no, that wasn't staged at all, grand entrance. Rutherford knows the Cerritos' coordinates, but it will take an encrypted transport to get aboard. That means sneaking into a secure Starfleet facility and facing the psycho badass who mans the place. Turns out, though, he's a sweet old buffer buff named Denny who restores transporters, but he's onto the Lower Decker's plan. I mean, why else does anybody visit him? No matter, though, he'll make soup. Denny would be happy to help him if it weren't for the Vrugament. Uh, yeah, I said that right. Sure. Vrugament. We're going to go with that. A pink blob of migrating space creatures passing by Earth. Mariner hatches a plan that will accomplish two things. One, knocking an item off of Tendi's bucket list. And two, getting them aboard a ship that will take them to the Cerritos. They're going to Montana. Cue Jerry Goldsmith's score from Star Trek First Contact as we get a look at the historical site in Bozeman, where Zephyrm Cochran's voice greets visitors. There's the Cochran statue, spaceship balloons, the one-song jukebox at the bar, and churros. Tendi would love to visit the ship the Vulcans came down in, but they need to get in line for the main attraction, where they can ride the Phoenix. Once they're out, in the ap- or out of the atmosphere, Ruthie can override the ship's automated flight and take them to the Cerritos. But there's a new problem, and his name is Gavin. Boimler tries to convince him that he should take a different phoenix, but Gavin is determined to face his fear of spaceflight and buckles in. It's time to rock and roll and take a magic carpet ride to the stars. Once they're in space, Mariner and Rutherford freeze the holographic Zephyrm Cochran that's piloting the ship and set a course for the Cerritos. Once there, they apologize to Gavin for interrupting his Phoenix experience, but facing his fear has given him a newfound confidence, and he will take the ship back to Earth. He's ready to explore the galaxy, but Rutherford's already automated the course back to Earth, so, you know, whatever, let him think what he wants. On the Cerritos, excuse me, Boimler finds his logs. They contain the information that will clear Captain Freeman's name, uh, plus some embarrassing personal details from Boimler, and Mariner feels that no one will take that information seriously. But Tendi and Boimler convince her to have faith in Starfleet. They'll do the right thing. She comes around and agrees. 
As Tendi, Boimler, and Rutherford board a shuttle back to Earth, Mariner's got to check on one little thing, which is really a ruse to send her friends on an automated course back to Earth. Mariner wants more hard evidence to bring to the court, so she's stealing the Cerritos. She will do whatever it takes to free her mom, regardless of the consequences, but she doesn't want her friends facing the same fate. However, Tendi, Rutherford, and Boimler unanimously agree to bring on the trouble and trick the shuttle into returning, uh, well, maybe crashing is the better word, to the Cerritos shuttle bay. It's a rough landing, but they make it, and stopping Mariner takes an actual fight. Eventually, Rutherford stops the Cerritos and locks out the controls. Mariner breaks down. She's scared. She might never see her mom again, and there's nothing she can do about it. Her friends reassure her that no matter what happens, they'll face it together. Starfleet Security finally notices that the Cerritos is no longer docked and want an explanation for the unauthorized launch, but the confrontation is interrupted by the Vrugaman. The Cerritos becomes their breeding ground. Tendi explains to Security that they're conducting a scientific observation, but it seems they aren't buying it until they do. The security officers can't help but appreciate these ensigns' willingness to help such beautiful creatures. They just need the name of the commanding officer who authorized them for this assignment. I did, says Captain Carol Freeman. She explains to the lower deckers that the Starfleet or Starfleet conducted their own investigation into the pack-led bombing while she stood trial. With a little help from Commander Tuvok, they found out who bombed the packleds. The Packleds themselves. The whole thing was staged so the Packleds could relocate to a more mineral-rich planet. Mariner's impressed that Starfleet came through and all is well, right? Not so fast. Her parents have come to the conclusion that they can't keep bailing her out when she breaks the rules. Someone needs to rein her in, and it's not them. Enter Commander Ransom, who will keep Mariner accountable for her actions. Back in the shuttle bay, Boimler, Tendi, and Rutherford take a break from cleaning up so they can catch up on what FNN is saying about the trial. However, something else has taken the top headline. A malfunctioning theme park ride was stopped near Jupiter's moons, piloted by a Captain Gavin. He screams, kicks, and hollers as two Starfleet officers pull him away from his newfound love for exploring the universe. The end. Nicely done, Char. Nicely done. Thank you. It's my first synopsis. No, it it happened. Really? Yeah, it was. This is the first time I've done that part of the show. That's awesome. And you did a great job. Lots, you know, there's a lot happening in this episode. And I think that, you know, they're they're opening up season three, like literally with a bang or a few, (laughs) you know, several. Yes. Several action packed. Very good episode, in my opinion. Here's something that I really, really like the way you read it and you really think about it. I'm going to throw this out to the audience too. like, think about what they just did. And it's weird because this the package, right? So you said they they staged it. They staged the destruction of their own planet so that they'd be relocated by the Federation to another mineral rich planet. Uh-huh. That's pretty smart. Don't you think? I mean, that's not like smart. That's, that's like genius level smart, like evil genius level smart. Right. Who's feeding them that information? I wonder. There's a giant theory. Like there's a giant conspiracy theory that's going like behind the packlets. Right. <laughs> oh, so, man. Um, Let's get on Interstellar Reddit and read all about it. There's so much that's like just literally getting thrown at you at the speed of warp in this episode. It's like even more like more so than other Lower Decks episodes, because most of the time I'm I'm saying this in a a very complimentary way. Like most of the time I felt like I was just getting hit with product placement. Okay. 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 But like the whole the grapes thing, you know, that's like product placement for, say, like a card. Right. Sure. Absolutely. 
Ketracel white hot sauce. I want that in so many different ways, right? Me too, which, okay. And I have a question for you as well as all of our callers. When it comes to hot sauce, are you a Mariner or a Boimler? You know what? I should be a Boimler, but I'm a Mariner. And it has made me pay in the past for being a Mariner. (laughs) I'm a Mariner too. Give me that hot sauce. Okay, so we're going to Bozeman. I don't think I've laughed literally out loud. I'm not going to say I lolled. I laughed out loud crying. I think I almost like dropped something, whatever I was eating. When I saw the kiosk for thirst contact, I lost <laughs> so good. my mind. That was like the funniest pun in the entire episode for me. I loved it. I had to pause for those visuals just every couple of seconds to see something new because there's a lot going on there in that theme park. You've got like the balloon starships there's like the puns for food and refreshments the vulcan ship with the slide that the kids are going down Mm. i mean it is intense i actually really want to go to this place now i want to go see the statue i want to do all the things i mean it was really well done it was well thought out i think that for those of us who like really love first contact it's really that parody love letter because you only know those in jokes or those puns if you really 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 love first contact like the one song jukebox right you know the magic carpet ride yeah. disc all of that oh my still, gosh it's it's just affection that's pouring out in humor um and they have, didn't skimp at all not no. only did we get the jerry goldsmith score to just really bring all the feels as they zoomed in on the theme park but we also got james cromwell's to, to voice Ephraim cochran and That just elevated it for me, hardcore. I think that there should be a goal for everyone who's going to do like the next year's like round of events and cons. There should be a a meetup where everyone's wearing Zephram Cochran's cap. Did did you notice that so many of the Mm -hmm. attendees were wearing that cap? The cap. That's like the cap you need to wear, right? So many merch opportunities. I'm telling you, (laughs) StarTrek.com. <laughs> so we're, we'll have to like like flag down like uh, you know John Van Sitters and see what he can do for us. So please, um, there, we have a lot of callers lined up. Um, one oh, last good. thing, Charlotte. Like if there's one last thing that you want to get in before we start uh, bringing in everyone else and everyone else is fun. Um, is there a moral meaning or message that you feel that you pulled out of this episode? As far as the morals, meanings, and messages, I had a little bit of a difficult time determining what it is we were supposed to pull f- in that respect. Like, mm-hmm. is it? trust in starfleet trust the system that things will work out uh or if or is it like are you doing the wrong thing for the right reasons but still need to face the music because that's ultimately what is happening with mariner i actually had a much easier time trying to pull uh i guess what i really appreciated the most out of this episode and that was the emotional beats that it goes through that can only Mm -hmm. be paid off here through the two seasons they've been building. And these arcs that they're going for are so good. Like, especially Mariner and Freeman, they've been at odds forever, but it's getting so much more complicated. Their reasons why they're at odds are so much better than when what we understood in episode one, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Things like Mariner's parents trying so hard to get their kid to fall in line and keep her on the narrow and, and help her succeed. But really through their actions, they've enabled her failure. And it's kind of cool to see them admitting that and realizing that we can't do this. We can't be your parents and your commanding officers. And then now she's got to face ransom. And well, I have a feeling that's probably going to work out because <laughs> holding, being accountable to him. I mean, wow. 
So what you're saying before we jump into Chris, Chris Bowers, our first caller, what you're saying is that her parents ransomed her. <laughs> That's exactly what I was saying. That's much Thank more articulate. Much. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. And now <laughs> setting Chris up for this. Chris, welcome to the show again. Hi, Chris. Hey, hey guys. Good to see hey. you both. Glad Good to see you. you both made it home safe. Yes. More or less. <laughs> I mean, there's a little bit of a story behind that, but I'll save it for another time. <laughs> but yes. Oh. Yeah, but no, this was a great episode. I, there we go. See if that does something. Did I unclick it? There we go. Um, but yeah, I loved, I loved this episode. It was really, I thought it was a great season opener. Um, like Shari, you were saying, like, we spent so much of season two sort of like unraveling the onion that was Mariner and sort of why she is who she is and what she does. And to see those sort of beats and see her break down, like that was really emotional. Like that scene on the bridge where she like tears up. I was like, Oh my God, like Tawny, go, go, go. You. Yes. Like, that, was, that was so good. Yeah. That's another thing is uh, Beckett Mariner is getting much more vulnerable with her friends. She is opening up. I mean, and that's what I love is like Mariner. I think for me is all, she fundamentally wants to do the right thing and she wants to like have friendships but she's always, she's been sort of a square peg in a round hole, and she doesn't quite know how to do it. And we've sort of been watching her, like, open up and learn how to do things. And I think we're going to see that more this season, is how, I don't think she'll ever mesh entirely, because that's sort of the point of her character, but she's going to learn to interact and do more stuff, I think, just over the course of the year. It's interesting that you bring that up, because we have to, like, kind of look at this from a little bit more of a, of a bird's eye view, like kind of like pull ourselves away from how close we are with it being a humorous format, but having her and, and understanding like the dynamic with her parents saying like, we can't keep bailing you out every single time you get into trouble because now we're your commanding officers and not your parents. That speaks a lot to like who she is because it's probably because is she, I mean, she's an only child. Right? I, believe as far so. as we know. I believe so. Yes. Yeah. So maybe she has been acting out this whole time because her parents have, they've been so wrapped up in their own careers that they never made time for her. And the only time they ever made time for her is when she got herself into trouble. But now the trouble really has consequences because it reflects on their careers. So oh, it's all kind of, it's all coming forward. It all is all looping back on itself. And it's like Captain Freeman said, we kind of are we're reaping now what we sowed. Exactly. But now no. they're all in the careers. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it's very interesting. You brought that up. One line that I kind of latched onto this week, and I'm curious if we'll dive into it, is that opening scene um, when they're in the office. And one, I love that all the plants have like an Elkars panel on them, like every single know, pot. Right? Yeah. That, that's great. That's a great yeah. gag. Um, but uh, the dad is like, oh, come on, we're home, we're in San Francisco. And Mary was like, no, I didn't grow up here. And I was like, that's an interesting bit of lore. Where mm-hmm. did you grow yes. up, Mariner? Like, like, is she an army brat? Was she like always moving around different ships? And like, I was intrigued by that. That's a good observation. It's always about uh, like the small details that are kind of like in the background, um, both with her and the plants. Because if you don't make a plant with an L car sticker on it and carry that around some convention center, I'll be supremely disappointed, Chris, because that's really, really good. And <laughs> that's, that's actually fairly easy on the list of things I've done. I can just go buy a potted plant. <laughs> <laughs> Put an L car sticker on it and yeah, you're done. Yeah. Um, any other thing that you want to talk about that you really liked about this episode before we let you go? I really liked that um, Tendi got to save the day or like kind of save the day that she was the one yeah. who thought of the idea to like get the security people like almost off their back. Uh, I think that's really cool that Tendi got that kind of moment to shine because I love Tendi. Tendi's been my favorite character since like day one. Um, and to see her sort of get that moment was really cool. 
Actually, I have a question for both. You have a question for the audience also. And it's something that I think that we talked about. And maybe we always will always talk about this in Lower Decks because the way that Lower Decks is. But do you think that because of its breakneck speed, because of the pace it throws information at us, because there's so much eye candy and there's so much to see and there's so many aha moments that you're trying to identify, do you think that maybe this episode was a little too heavy on the self-referential humor, the nostalgia. I mean, you had, I mean, look at it just from the surface level, you had Jake sweater, you had everything first contact. When's the point when Easter eggs are no longer Easter eggs. And it's just expected, you know, the expectation of, Oh, it's lower decks. Of course, they're going to be Easter eggs. So why not lean into it? But does it make it special anymore or just make it, it doesn't make it easier for low hanging fruit type of jokes and puns. Chris, have you got an answer? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. I'll go. go ahead. Yeah. Um, I think that the, the point to your, you're like, where, where, where's the line? I think mm-hmm. the line is you stop when the Easter eggs start to detract from the story. And so far they haven't like, mm-hmm. you know, they're great. He, he's wearing a sweater in Bozeman. Bozeman was wonderful. And it was funny, especially as someone who lives in California and has written soaring over California with Patrick Warburton. I'm like, right, I, I right. see what you're putting down. Mm-hmm. Like man. Um, but yeah, I, it hasn't. <laughs> They, they've they've done all this Easter egg and they've done all the like visual gags and stuff, but they've still always written very good scripts and had really great character moments. And we saw that again this week. So I think, you know, let them have their fun. That's part of what the show is, is it manages to balance those two things very well, is the fun and the like heavy writing. So, yeah, they can they can keep doing it. I don't mind. That, you know, that's an interesting point. Sure. So. If I'm if I'm understanding Chris, what you're saying, Lower Decks as a as part of the Star Trek brand is already kind of becoming a subset brand in and of itself. Saying if you want to watch Lower Decks, this is what you should expect. You shouldn't expect Lower Decks to to become more of the dramatic Star Trek mold with just a little bit of humor and Easter eggs. This is like more of the comedic role with the comedic mode and full of Easter eggs. That's why you're watching this. This is what you should expect from here on in. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely part of, part of the brand is like they, part of Lower Decks, the whole brand I think is that they like really love and sort of revere what has come before. And the way they do that is these Easter eggs and these sort of like sight gags. And so, yeah, it's, it's part of the ethos of sort of the way they, they, fit into the mesh that is this franchise is here's what has come before, but we're putting our own spin on it, I think is what they are trying to do. And I think they do it quite well. Awesome. Chris, uh, Shar, do you have any more questions for Chris? Mm, uh, but as far as the hot sauce goes, Boimler or Mariner? Oh, I'm a, Boimler. I, I'm a Boimler. I, I am not <laughs> a spicy person. No, no. <laughs> All right, no, you're, fair you're enough. Spi- you're spicy. You just don't like your food spicy, but you serve. <laughs> you serve <laughs> spicy. <laughs> All right, Chris. Uh, always great to see you. It was great seeing you in Vegas. Um, and uh, please show all over, like Mission Log or uh, anywhere that you want to share your infer- your your cosplay uh, images and information. Uh, please, it's amazing. You guys got to see what this guy does. I mean, it's really really cool. It's, it's so good fun. Stuff. It's got to be uncomfortable, but you know, you suffer for your art, sir. I know that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Had a great time and can't wait to see you guys again. All right, buddy. Let's do it again next year. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Next year. Same time, uh, maybe different place. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Um, here we're speaking of being shellish shark because I got to do this because this is what we do for okay. us, you know. So we're going to talk a little bit here, uh, at the uh, middle, uh, the uh, the 
back half of the hour, the middle of the show, uh, before we get to Alan, we're going to talk about Patreon because we we've alluded a lot in this show to uh, seeing friends at the convention, uh, meeting up with them, uh, having these inc- incredible moments. And one of the reasons why I think that we were able to do and uh, enjoy ourselves in Vegas is because uh, on Patreon, we have all come together in this community that we've built on our Discord server. So if you go to patreon.com slash mission log uh, for the subscription that you would like to support us with, you have access, you gain access to our Discord server. And that Discord server, it has all these incredibly special channels like, oh, let's see, the, the John Champion Memorial channel called Epicureanism, where we post all food <laughs> sources, all food pictures, ideas of how all of us can enjoy the finer things, the finer culinary things in life. And uh, I, I, all kidding aside, you know, there are tens, if not 20s of channels in there just talking about all the different Star Trek series, uh, different types of fandom from 1960s all the way to modern science fiction, a little show that I've come to love called Stargate, um, <laughs> Babylon 5, Farscape, uh, Harry Potter, uh, Marvel movies, Star Wars movies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, you name it, the- there's a channel. Yeah, and because they're all growing, because the community is growing, there are so many different things to talk about. Um, one of the things also that I think is special for the community is uh, when John and I record our mission log, we record it in such a way where we have uh, additional content or VAM, like value-added material. And that is released uh, to our patrons, specifically only on Patreon, which a lot of people get a kick out of listening to some of that, warts and all. But <laughs> That's what makes it so charming. What, and one of the most, most special things that, that I've learned about the mission log community, the Discord community... We had the um, opportunity of one of our listeners uh, come up to stage uh, and uh, and hand us a gift. Um, one of our listeners, Victoria, came up to the stage, uh, our first panel at uh, at Vegas, and gave us this card and thanked us. And I just wanted to say thank you to her uh, because it was my first gift of this kind, uh, being a podcast for Mission Log, and it really moved me. You know, it just it was incredibly. Uh, incredibly thoughtful and, and, and incredibly giving and caring in that one particular moment. And I really wanted to thank her, uh, especially on behalf of John and myself and everyone involved with Mission Log. Thank her for that. Thank everyone uh, for coming up and talking to us uh, during the course of that convention. That's what makes our community special. That's what makes you, the Mission Log listeners, you know, very unique and very dear to us. So please take a look at us, patreon.com slash mission log, and uh, we'll see you there. If you subscribe, we'll definitely see you in the Discord. All righty. Right. So all of all of that aside, uh, <laughs> that's just basically leading up to Alan because Alan has always had consistently uh, his love for Lower Decks on backsplash on his wallpaper. So hello, yeah, sir. Buddy. Welcome. Welcome back hey. to Mission Log Live. Hello. The party's back, everybody. Yeah, yeah you are. Yeah, buffer time. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's it's so good to have this show back. It's, you know, I, I think I said this uh, previously on this show, but like I, I feel a, a little bit of ownership over this one. This is this is the show that got me subscribed to Paramount Plus, and <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm just so happy to see it, you know, keep returning and succeeding, and and the appreciation and love for it grow because it it just it just sort of like really feeds you know a certain kind of like feeling that i have for star trek which is super special what were you um, expecting what were you expecting like as soon as like 
when you got like the title, you know, the title was spoiled. Like, what do you think was going on? Like, what did you want to see happen? Well, I I thought it was going to be a little bit more like the episode and that it really would be like, you know, all these mundane things going on. But then knowing that it was animated, knowing that it was Rick and Morty adjacent, that sort of like shifted expectations to a place that I, I honestly don't know what I was expecting when it first showed up. But just the fact that it's sort of become this sort of like, yes, it's funny. Yes, it's got all this great Star Trek reference content that, you know, we can all, you know, get our various levels in of how much we, you know, need or like, but just the fact that it's still good stories and it's still, you know, good Star Trek content, you know, for lack of a better word, (laughs) you know. I'm with you, Alan. Going into the show sight unseen, I had no idea if the show was going to work, how it was going to be, and I fell in love immediately. I feel like Lower Decks is just a big celebration of all the Star Trek that's come to be up to now. And I so I love the Easter eggs, kind of referring back to our old question. I feel like that is uh, there is no limit as far as that goes <laughs> until and unless, uh, like Chris said, uh, if it's detracting from the story, maybe. But no, that is the Lower Decks brand. That is what it does. And it does it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's the yeah, it's the I guess the the pleasant surprise of Lower Decks is the love that it's not, you know, because again, you think I, I you get to the point where they say, oh, and it's going to be produced by people who did Rick and Morty, and immediately you're, you're like, oh, I hope it's not cynical. Sure. <laughs> I hope it's not cynical because that would be bad. And in fact, I I mentioned this on the official Mission Log Discord, but. I feel like in its own way, Lower Decks gets to be the most utopian, the most optimistic version of Star Trek that we could possibly have. I don't know if it's because it's uh, animated. I don't know if it's because of the sort of like, you know, shortness of the episodes, the fact that they're only half as long as regular episodes and they have to like cram it all in together. But there's something about it where, of course, the the captain's going to get off because this is Star Trek and the system works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I, that's interesting that how you phrase that, though. It's like it can be the most utopian, could be the most like the best yeah. version of Star Trek in itself. And you know what? I think that because there are darker tones, you know, in some of the series, either past or present, you know, and maybe in the future that – if we are to believe that there's this part of the balance of the equation, then not every single fan inside the fandom can sustain that because we we are optimists. You know, we're we're built on a on a fandom of optimism and and lightheartedness. At times, things can be serious, and they're obviously serious topics. You know, to be sure, but there also has to be this balance of I can't see and and sustain watching week after week a very highly dramatic, dark theme or tone of a show. And it, once you turn this on, 
there's something to be said about it's like walking in sunlight. You know, there it just warms your face, it warms your heart, it makes you feel light in the step because it brings something out of you that's that hasn't been tapped in, I think, uh, consistently in Star Trek over time, and certainly not, in my opinion, in modern Star Trek. So sure, it's self-referential, of course. You can look at it and laugh, of course. And I think that laughing at oneself is a way of freeing oneself of just being far too serious and far too inside your own mind. So I think that that's a great observation. I love how you phrased that. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, well done. Thank uh, you. The five, the five bucks is, you know, so, it's one. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Checks in the mail. Uh, and I'll be, I'll be checking. I'll be checking for that. That's, that's yeah, quite all right. <laughs> Otherwise I just wanted to say too, that um, like you guys, I am, Fully on board with historic Bozeman. I'm, let's I'm do a this. Bit of a, yeah, I'm let's a bit go. Deep park guy. So you know, I I could see that. You know, take me to and today. You know what I, <laughs> I think? Love I, I think if people are on board with this, and maybe we need to like have a petition signed or something. A suites in perhaps the next convention should be just thematically designed so that when you walk through it, you're walking through historical Bozeman. That would oh be the most amazing gosh. thing because I want to go to thirst contact so badly. <laughs> Me right? too. Me too. Oh my gosh. It would be a heck of a production, but if that could happen, mm-hmm. whoa, like charge a you little turn- bit of admission to pay for the cost, but holy crap, would that not be amazing? Yeah. It's like, you know, imagine how it feels when you're walking through like that sort of like back tunnel hallway out of Critter Country into Galaxy's Edge. Mm-hmm. But instead of the random ass Star Wars music that they've composed, seriously, goosebumps. My heart. Okay, mm. anyone out there? Like, so what Char and I were talking about this, like, we loved, you know, the the, the Jerry Goldsmith theme. Anyone who's a fan of First Contact knows if that's powerful. Raise your hand either here or in chat. When that happened, I mean, how much did that just pull at your heartstrings? And oh, I teared com- up in a comedic episode, right? But you have that moment. You know that yeah. moment like brings you, it grounds you back to reality of this is still Star Trek, right? This oh, is still the in the heart universe. swells, man. Right, but um, I'm serious. Like you know, you, Alan, you know the Star Wars universe very well. You know the Star oh, yeah. Wars Con universe very well. So you know that there are those Will Row Hood meetups. You know when people yeah. are wearing the orange jumpsuit, like like the big hair, the ice cream maker. I mean, I'm telling you, it would be the greatest thing if you had like you know a couple hundred people running around the convention center, uh, with potted plants that have Elkar's you know stickers on them, <laughs> and you know, and and the and the uh, the Zephyrum Cochran the, the hat. That's Cochran. Yes. Anyone out there? Yeah. Anyone out there on Etsy? You want to start making some money? Start making that hat. I'm telling you. Let's right? rock and roll. Let's rock and roll. Let's rock and roll. Let's rock and roll. <laughs> you can see I people like so out. much that he said that too. Yeah. And, and then play magic dance. carpet ride on oh. top of it. Just yes, thank you. Because we didn't Hell get Ubi yeah. Doobie in the jukebox. They did have to. They couldn't do everything <laughs> and get James Cromwell. I'm sure the budget just wasn't cut for all of that. You know what would be funny, though? It's like you walk into like the dance hall. There's like one person dancing in the corner, and that's it. Right? <laughs> yeah. Because they yeah. only have you room have, for like one dance partner. You can only buy tequila. <laughs> <laughs> Minimum three shots. Exactly. Yes. Um, anything else, Alan, before uh, we get on to someone who's going to explode into our camera at any moment? <laughs> Just, again, so happy to have this show back. So happy to have our 
Lower Decks friends back. Looking forward to everything this season. Very excited. And historic Bozeman, now please. All right. Okay, that lives on in everyone's hearts. I know that. That's for sure. Um, I'm glad that, I mean, I'm happy that you're happy because I know how much you love this. I know how much it means to you, man. And uh, that was just one out of 10. So it, this, this, I think this season is just going to be so incredible and we'll see where it takes us. Right? Yeah. If this is episode one, is this how we're starting out? How do they keep doing it? How do they keep making this show even better? Because it's always been good, but they keep one-upping themselves. I'm just so impressed. I guess we're uh, we're gonna have to ask Mike McMahon uh, if and when we get him back on the show. You're gonna have to ask him because I asked him on Twitter and he didn't reply. Oh no! Uh, I know he's probably been a little busy. I don't know, doing things like making yeah. the show and promoting the show and doing things for the show. But come on, man! <laughs> so John Cooley has a great idea. He was a new group cosplay Bosman World Tourists. Let's make this happen. Or wow. Boz- Bozeman, I should say. Bozeman, Bozeman World, World Tour Tourist. 2023. Right. It all starts with a hat. It, it all starts with a hat and a dream. A hat, a dream, and a churro. <laughs> and a churro. Oh, my <laughs> well God. Churro Churros. vendors will make a killing at that convention. Oh, my God. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. First contact that you're, you're also, it's like you get a combo with your beverage mm-hmm. and a churro. Exactly. All right. Yeah. You know, folks, it's out there in the universe. Make it happen. We have you so many good ideas. Consult right. us. <laughs> um, thanks, buddy. Good to see yeah. you. you know, good to see you. Fun. Calling it. See you next time. All right, buddy. Thanks. Bye. Uh, Paul, are you okay? Should we get you like something like a nice little like a glass of warm milk or something? Calm you down. You know, <laughs> how you doing, buddy? It's been a long, long time. You know, it's at been at least, I don't know, 20, 24 like hours. hours. I, something like that. <laughs> yeah. I literally literally got off got got off the plane got the car everything we got here 15 minutes before this started and i said oh i gotta my be here gosh and you're here and yeah oh. and i wouldn't miss this for the world because i just got you know as a person who knows who may be involved with organizing things and i take things that norman and these hosts say and i try to make them happen you know at some point in their so. lives so so, Paul, what you're saying is you're going to do historic Bozeman. Start working on that. Is this you what know, you're if you if you go to Seattle and you see a Bozeman, yeah, I know where the idea came from. But, you know, we can't oh, guarantee things. But I, I got to go to Seattle now. I like this Bozeman World Tourist 2023 with, you know, some some food and drink options. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just got the thumb up from the approving person in the, in the room. Oh, the boss. Hi. The big boss. Yeah. So perhaps we can work ourselves towards that. That should be fun. Oh my uh, gosh. Seriously, if you do this, mm-hmm. it's in good hands because Paul did a fantastic party for the Vegas convention for mission log Patreon members. And that was an absolute blast. And you did a wonderful job of pulling that off. And it gets even better with churros. I mean, think about that. Churros you know, make so everything better. So of course they do. Right. And, and leading into that is the morals meanings and messages of this episode, which is what you get. Well, it's, it became really obvious to me as I was watching it. And towards the end, Mariner decides that she's going to do this, all on her own, right? So he sends mm-hmm. her people away. Whenever you take on an endeavor that's emotional and complicated and you, you want it to work, do not do it on your own. Use everybody's resources that offers you help to make it come on, uh, to make it, you know, to execute it appropriately. And, mm-hmm. you know, just that's 
when I was listening to you earlier, it's like, well, this becomes obvious to me because I just had this happen with the great help of all of our Patreons. I mean, so many people chipped into helping that party. And it's like, well, this is exactly right. You don't just jettison people if they offer you help. You help them help you and grow that team. Now, she would have done this right. Somebody would have let it slip that, oh, well, you know, this is a, this conspiracy theory is, you know, you're, you're just being, you're being held in the dark. She, she almost killed herself, right? Because if she would have went to warp, poof. So that's, that's what I think the obvious moral, moral meaning or message in this episode is to me. But yeah, you're 100% correct. And thank you for pointing that out. Because as I said earlier, I kind of struggled to figure out yeah. what exactly we we're supposed to get, but that is it. So two things happened in this episode. I was watching it. Unfortunately, it, we played it three times at our at our at our gathering, but uh, Michelle didn't get to see it. And so we fired it up later. And one of the and I, I can't tell you when, you know, they when they play the song and he's he's firing it up. It's exactly the same timing as the movie mm-hmm. because he hits, <laughs> yeah. he hits that button and I start saying the words as they come out. It is so well done. And now, and that's my era of music. I mean, I remember you're talking song. about the scene where there's the, when he puts in the disc and magic carpet ride. Yes. My magic carpet yeah. ride is, you know, in my, you know, 12, 13 year old era. Uh, right. It just was a very popular song. And it's just amazing how that is timed and how it's in our brains. If we watch, well, you know, the, movie. the fans know. are going to be discerning about that, because when you bring that kind of authenticity and uh, and that detail, people are looking for that. People are looking for the beats and the cadence. Right. It's, it's perfect. You know, yeah. they obviously timed it out. But um, Shar, you hit it on the head. How the heck does the do they get this much stuff in 25 minutes? I'm going down this list of stuff. This is, you know, and, and I. Yeah. Oh, and These I wanna, episodes, they're yeah. only 20 something minutes long, but it feels like the content of a full length hour and, and you go back you watch a year later it's like oh i remember you know and you remember these little pieces i hit but i want to be the dude who was riding with them and gets left on the ship we you know and the thing spins <laughs> off that's who i want to be it's Captain like, Gavin. <laughs> it was so and they find him later right as the amusement park ride went awry you right? know i, I absolutely just, love that take too that way they're totally getting away with it and this poor guy i don't know what's going to happen with him hopefully he just they they give him some pills or a hypo spray or something and send him on his way no, I remember Paul. Like we need we need that from Vegas, right? All of us. Well, <laughs> you, you need all the hypo sprays later on. Yeah, sure. I remember when we were talking about Lower Dicks the very first time, it was like season one, and then you were you were talking about in, in general terms how you found it difficult to watch because it was so fast. Unbelievably fast, right? Yeah. But now I think does this does this mean I mean maybe it still is for you, but do you think that because that you've embraced what it is and how much you love it? Now, I'm not saying that you're making exceptions for it, but it's like, are you now more used to the speed and delivery of the information? So it'd be interesting to compare the cadence versus those first mm-hmm. two episodes. They were trying to give us a lot of information. In fact, did they slow it down a little or did this old guy, you know, all of a sudden some nerve things connected back up here and allowed me to think faster? Or is it just the expectation of, OK, where are they going next? You know, you mm-hmm. have the Easter eggs flying by, but that's just part of the entertainment. Right. And then right. you got to keep your eye on the story. I, quite honestly, I watched it three times this weekend at various stages of um, sobriety and, you know, concern. <laughs> you know. That level and of awareness. Yeah. Level, there you go. Level of awareness. And even watching it the third time, and then I still needed you to tell me what was going on. And I'm, that could just be the level of, you know, tiredness from the con. But 
All these things just make me smile. It's exactly it, Norman. You just, you turn on the episode and you expect to smile for a while. And if you get a message in there, that's a little, you know, heavier, you're still going to smile about something else, you sure. know, the, and so I, I, I thought it was a good start for the season. Um, I thought that, and my wife shared with me her, her one thing was why did they solve this so quickly? You know, you build up to this giant ending and poof, it's gone. <laughs> Too bad. It, you know, we solved Well, it. you know what? That totally took a back seat, I think, to some of the stuff that really was going on, like Mariner, her emotional roller coaster ride in this episode. And the fact that our four lower deckers are this well oiled machine now. They're working together and so well. It, it just, the fact that she, Captain Freeman, her trial happened, the truth came out. It, it's like, that was the D plot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. so I guess that that is a fair criticism that maybe that was a little too underplayed, and yet I don't know. There is so much else going on that I barely even noticed it in the times that I've watched it so far. So I'm not sure exactly what that's saying, but every time I watch an episode of Lower Decks, I see something new just because so much is packed in. So I'm going to need about ten or twelve more watches just to get all the nuance out of it. Oh, yeah. and, and park it for about six months and then watch it again. You'll see something totally. Yes. New. So. Oh, and to your question, Paul. Recently, I watched season one, episode one, and I, I was curious too about the pacing because I thought episode one maybe was a little fast, and I think the characters, the actors, are talking faster in episode one, season okay. one. They've relaxed a little. The pacing is a little more solid. It's not like the episode slowed down. It's just. It's easier to take in. The cadence is different. Mm -hmm. So one last thought before we let in our fabulous next caller, who I can't wait to hear, um, mm -hmm. was what was the emphasis? Are, are we are we moving Boimler to a they them kind of scenario with his ignoring of all the, you know, uh, scantily dressed help in grapes? I'm trying to figure out mm -hmm. what they're telling us there. Is it is you know, we we expect that Mariner likes Boimler as, you know, definitely a working relationship and kind of thing there. But for all those shippers out there, it's like, here's a here's a curveball for you. He <laughs> so good yeah. luck with that, you know, as we go forward. And, um, you know, I love you guys. Just great right. to see you all. It's great to be back on the air with fresh Star Trek again. And what a what a blessing in our, you know, to witness this live as it goes forward. So, um, so much fun. So your question about fun. Boimler. I think he just hates life on the vineyard so much. He can't Bingo. see past that. I none of goes, it matters. He wants hate, nothing to do with it. I hate like dehydrating the grapes. <laughs> I hate the grapes. Yeah. I hate the raisins. I don't the raisins. Like, you could literally be like the sexiest thing that's ever walked the planet. But if you are like even remotely involved in any of this business with grapes, I don't care. I hate yeah. it so much. I don't care. Right? I well, thoroughly loved his line as he's trying to make his exit. Just water off. Or <laughs> yeah. just, Hose yourself off. Don't right? even care. Just get out of here. <laughs> great stuff. Um, great. Great to see you guys live. We will. Thanks, Paul. Great to see you, Paul. See you again. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. bye, -bye. And here we are with Sherry. Hi, Sherry. Hello. Hi. How are you? And you have your Lower Decks background, so you are excited, I'm sure, about the uh, season premiere. Right. Yeah. Or I, think, uh, I, I yeah. hope you are. I, I, well, I, I, I was very hyped. Um, uh, can you hear me okay, by the way? Uh, yeah, yeah, fine. We can hear you. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, there's like fan in the background, so I don't know if you can hear it or not. Oh, no, you're fine. <laughs> nope, you're fine. You're good. Okay, mm -hmm. cool, cool. Um, so... I was just thinking, though, that, like, I feel at this point kind of like a parent who, like, their their child is always turning in A-pluses, and, like, then they turn it in an A, and they're like, what happened to the plus? 
Like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm so I, I'm going to judge the things that I didn't like about this episode against other episodes of the show that I like to show that I love the show. I just there was what bothered me probably the most is like what I felt like the message of the story was trust Starfleet, which to be fair, I've watched lots of interviews with Mike McMahon, and that is, he said in his interviews that that's his whole thesis of, like, you should trust Starfleet, and we've had other episodes, like, the Much Ado About Boimler, where he, they think they're taking them to the farm, and the farm is not, like, a real place or anything, and it turns out to be a real place, um, but I wish it had been more like, like that episode, where, like, they made you think that something bad was going to happen, um, and that it doesn't. Um, Because I felt like that's kind of like showing, like in this episode, it felt so on the nose. Like they said multiple times, trust Starfleet. And at the end, you should have trusted Starfleet. I think it would have been more fun if like, you know, they kind of made even the the fans, if they'd shown things like, because I mean, there's so many times in Star Trek where you shouldn't trust Starfleet. The admirals have been infested by evil bugs. So like if they'd shown something like that, where Mariner's like, look, look, get the bugs. <laughs> like, she's, like she's yeah kind of more like the, the girlfriend episode where boiler has a girlfriend and she thinks the girlfriend is invested with a parasite like yes. I, I would have loved to see conspiracy board mariner again like i wanted them to lean more into that <laughs> well, I, mean, I understand i understand what you're saying but why can't it just be like the pure optimism in an episode I mean, because they're because you're right. Well, I mean, no, I think that now I think that we were talking about this before. Like, there's like Lower Decks is obviously offering us a brand to kind of like take a look at um, Star Trek, and then we've had discussions uh, about you know there is this kind of nefarious nature, like inside Starfleet and in, inside Federation itself, within maybe the live action versions because it plays for greater drama. But it, I, I think that there are times, and I and I I completely understand what you're saying, but I think in this case. You know, I think that the trust Starfleet is to trust your friends, not necessarily Starfleet itself. That's fair. But then once again, that's trusting the people that you work like her friends, her direct friends versus Mm -hmm. like, you know, like maybe if one of them had been like, look, like, look at I think the I would have liked the message of think critically, because I think that's what the message of Star Trek almost always is. It's like not just trust anything uncritically, but Mariner wasn't thinking critically, and I I would have liked it if they just emphasized that more because she wasn't thinking straight because she was worried about her mom, and if they just kind of leaned more into that and her just mm-hmm. kind of like going off the rails because she was going off the rails, but I felt like they leaned a little bit more into the trust darkly instead of the she just wasn't thinking straight. She wasn't listening to anyone. I really like that, Sherry. It, it shouldn't just be blindly trust Starfleet. It, it should be think critically because Mariner wasn't. That's great that you emphasize that because she is compromised, but you shouldn't also just let somebody else take care of it either. You should be questioning Starfleet all the time because of what? things like the bad morals and parasites and stuff like that. Yeah, but listen, so I mean, you, you need a nice a... balance of both. And that's what critical thinking does. But you also I'm I'm going to I'm going to devil's advocate that because I think that it, they shouldn't say they didn't say blindly trust Starfleet. No, but well, it's kind of implied, don't you think? Like trust the process, trust the people. Right, but you have to trust it first before it fails, right? You have to trust the process first There's before so it fails. I don't know, man. I was kind that. of on Mariner's <laughs> yeah. side not trusting that. I mean, that was kind of whack. I mean, I, I'm just looking at it from the opposite angle. I'm like, you could, everyone could say, like, you know, because of bad morals, because of things that have happened in other Starfleet series past, but that's not this story. 
right? It's a different story, you know? And I think that this is a lesson that I think is so obvious because something else along the line is going to happen that's going to bring this back up. I mean, I mean, that's possible. You know? I would have, I, I just would have liked kind of more of that debate, though, of like, why should I trust Starfleet when this X, Y, and Z has happened before? And then, then give a good, like, reason, like, be, mm-hmm. but. <laughs> well, these things, these reasons. And maybe that, that's going to come back where something, because she followed her parents' advice, because of this one instance, something else along the line may say, like, you know what? If I did, then this wouldn't have happened. I really should have trusted my own instincts, you know, which sure. is what she's always been good at. She's always been strong at trusting her own instincts. But, you know, there are lessons learned because, yeah, you don't think critically about it. But because you thought critically about it before, you almost become cynical about it. And, I think they're trying to remove a certain sense of cynicism from her decision-making processes, at least for now, you know, and it could happen in the future where things. Well, yeah, sure. He doesn't trust authority enough. And I, I I would have been fine with them leaning into that too. It's like, it's not, you should never trust authority because that's definitely Mariner. Mariner never trusts authority. (laughs) I think it's like, look, you have a problem here. You need to sometimes trust authority. (laughs) You know what? That might be um, a big, like overall theme of the season is, Mariner balancing out, trusting her own instincts, but also balancing that with trusting other people or the system, if you will, and knowing when to do those things and turning her into a reliable, more competent and promotable, if I dare say, officer. (laughs) And who is that? (laughs) That kid Mariner, of all people. I mean, it could happen. I mean, I don't know if she wants it to happen, but maybe. Maybe she'll reach a point where she does want that. Maybe that would be another evolution for her. Who knows where this season's going to go, man? We got nine more to go, and I'm so excited because I feel like anything is possible. That's a great point, and, and, and this is something I want to think about. Like, there is kind of like a bait and switch that could happen with the way that they're leading you one way of thinking, mm-hmm. right? You know, oh, and, sure. And I, it'll be interesting to revisit this conversation. Say five, six episodes from now to see like exactly like how the narrative is unfolding. If it's unfolding the way that we think it is, because uh, I agree with you, Sherry. It's like, there's, there's so much on the nose happening right now. And it's pretty, it's pretty obvious that there's a kind of like bonk, bonk on the head, you know, type of, uh, of, of narrative. But I always feel that because they're so obvious, because they're so, um, they're so singular in the way that it's being t- like reinforced that it's, it's like the Wizard of Oz. You know, all, you know, you don't pay attention to the man behind this curtain because obviously you want to pay attention to like the fire and brimstone and the hologram that's in front of you. But something I think is going to be a little bit more per- pervasive um, in this whole uh, the way that Mariner like takes a look at moving forward now with the relationship with her parents and the relationship with her friends. So, yeah, let's see what happens. Let's 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 put a pin in that and like kind of like see um, how it all unfolds, because, yeah, we have what, nine episodes left. Yep. Yeah, it could be fun, Shar. Uh, if like, kind of like you said, like um, at the end, like uh, she like does get promoted. But since there's going to be several more seasons, and probably they probably wouldn't want to take her out of the lower deck, she would be just kind of like the, in that episode where she got promoted before. She's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling if she does get promoted again, it's going to be very different and she's going to use that responsibility with the powers for good not dreading it and not finding a way to sabotage herself screw it up so she can get demoted again she's going to i i think and i hope realize okay with more power and responsibility i could actually do some things that i would really like to see happen 
or perhaps with more power and responsibility, you get put into a situation that you never really wanted to be a part of, which is why you avoided it in the first place. Well, I think that is the Beckett Mariner we know right now. But if she grows and changes, maybe that'll be a different perspective. It's possible. You know, there are people that like to step forward because they do. And there are people that don't because they feel that they're good at where they are. Right. And and that's the challenge. You know, sometimes when you're put in a position where you're really comfortable with the uh, with the choice. That 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 puts you at odds with who you think you should be versus where you are. And right. uh, and that that's that's an interesting idea. That really is an interesting <laughs> idea. Well, here's another thought, Norm, is what if Beckett Mariner becomes uncomfortable remaining an ensign? She maybe she doesn't want Harry Kim syndrome. Like maybe she will find a time when she's ready to move on and will become eager to get that promotion. Maybe she'll I've, even suck up to to ransom for it. We're going to have to put a pin in that conversation and, tra- <laughs> and, and right. trace like, you know, nine episodes from, from then uh, to now. Um, yes. Sherry, it's great to have you. Great to have you back. Good to see you. And I hope that the, uh, I hope overall, because you know, we're always going to have hits and misses, you know, for us, but I hope overall. Oh, I'm, I'm still know. super hyped. And yeah, I'm sure. really hyped for the DS9 yeah. stuff. I really want to see that. And oh, I yeah. still love the Boimler Vineyard and the Bozeman Park. Those, those were great. I love them so much. <laughs> <laughs> People out there, let's make that Bozeman Park thing happen. It's got to yes. happen. Right? It has to be run by a Ferengi, though, in that universe, because that kind of unchecked capitalism. Profit? 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 So many Oh, my gosh. Okay, someone out there, have fun with that. Put uh, put <laughs> Cochran's hat on the Ferengi. and That's, that's going to be that- a big hat. Yeah, that's 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 the poster. That's the poster child for um, the Bozeman project that we're making. Oh, my gosh. Uh, We are out of time. Uh, I want to thank everyone in chat for being amazing, dynamic, fun, uh, bringing your ideas to the table. I can you can just feel like, Shari, you know, with with this show, with this series, the energy output is absolutely fantastic. I mean, it's almost kind of like, you know, those um, those those purpley pink things are like having children like all over our, our show. <laughs> oh my gosh. We didn't even talk right. about like the organism orgy thing on the Cerritos at all. That is so unlike us. You know, in, in Mission Log, we would call that an orginism. So, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That's that fantastic. Kind of Thank you, everyone. Right. And, and that's the idea that we're all going to leave you on right now. Just remember orginism, TM, Mission Log trademarks that. <laughs> Mission, Log Live. Make the <laughs> Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment technical production on mission log and mission long live by the orginism expert i can't say that but i just did earl green (laughs) back in the green room back in the green room taking care of us thank you earl be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from roddenberry podcasts if you'd like to support mission log directly give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log thanks to charlene being here in oh, thank you for here. having me. It's fun as always. All right, thank you for being here and thank you for helping me out with the show. Thank you for uh, letting my arms rest after flying in from Las Vegas. And thank you to everyone who joined us live and who's going to join us later on YouTube. We look forward to discussing Lower Decks Season 3, Episode 2 with all of you next week. This is a Roddenberry Podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.rottenberry.com.